We're working from home, we're social distancing, and we're cooking more at home. Travel around the galaxy with us as we hit up all our favorite hotspots and talk all things food in Star Wars. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to an episode where we're talking about food. <laughs> it's so random, but honestly, guys, it's a crazy time. I hope everyone is being safe, healthy, responsible, and everyone is doing okay. Um, you know, outside health-wise and also mental health-wise. And I know I've been struggling a lot with anxiety and Caitlin and I both have that we just kind of wanted to do a podcast that was super innocuous. And we could talk about The Rise of Skywalker. We could talk about Raylo. We could talk about Ben Solo. We could talk about tragedy. But honestly, I kind of just want to talk about random stuff in Star Wars. And yeah. I, yeah, you're right, Caitlin. Like, I can't right now. I just can't. It's it's too much. And um, before we started this podcast, I have a glass of wine. Like, this is going to be a chill time, guys, where you're not going to be thinking about what's going on in the world, I hope. And you could just, for an hour, an hour and a half, I don't know how long this episode is going to be, you can hopefully, you know, turn the brain off and just think about Star Wars. And because that's what I need right now. I even put my phone away. I always have my phone on me when we're podcasting, just in case something happens. But I put it in another room. And I'm just... I I feel like we all need this. <laughs> I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is a crazy time. Uh, this is this is my first time working from home. Actually, I've never been in that situation, and it's very different. <laughs> I'll say that. And I feel like we're on Twitter a lot more, and I don't know. It's helpful to see other people kind of working through this. Whether it's like Charlotte said, I think both of us have gone through waves of anxiety throughout the past couple of days. And it's it's definitely scary. And it's a lot. It's a lot of disruption to daily life. And there's a lot of what ifs and question marks out there right now. And yeah, I think it, it was good that we thought of this topic of just something super random. I mean, Charlotte, our last episode was about sacrifice. <laughs> No, you chose it. You chose it. <laughs> this is so heavy. I'm sorry. I wanted to talk about Solo. <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't. I don't remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So today we're we're coming in talking about food, which I think is going to be a really great topic. I'm sure a lot of you know that Charlotte works in the food industry, so she definitely has a lot of insight into recipes and and food production. So we'll see what she thinks of, of food in Star Wars. I got to say, though, I feel like Star Wars does not eat enough. Like our characters no. don't eat enough. No. It, it's no. so funny because whenever we've had guests on in the past and we've asked them who they would bring to their Sky Talkers Star Wars dinner party, uh, so many people bring Rey and their whole point in bringing Rey is, I just want to give her a good meal. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's so important, and I feel like there's not enough eating in Star Wars, so I'm excited to go through what we do get of food, and I don't know, just just talk about it, laugh about it, hear a little bit more about it. 
Yeah. I mean, you and I bake and cook a lot. This this episode is not about like the process of cooking. We're talking about food in Star Wars, like let's be real. Yeah. But I think that just as a side note, I've found in terms of I'm a very anxious person that my in terms of my anxiety, I really get so much out of standing in front of a stove and stirring a pot of risotto for 45 minutes to an hour and not thinking about anything. I I really except for that arborio rice <laughs> absorbing that broth. I think oh that God. it is so important. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it really is so at least for me, it is really important that that is always going to be part of my life. So when we talk about food in Star Wars, yeah, there's not enough food in Star Wars. I've always wanted it to be more of a thing. I think that Ryan Johnson um in Canto Bite, there's like a I think that there's sets that were designed. There was like a cake shop and all these things. I would have liked to see more elaborate, extravagant, over-the-top foods in Canto Bite. I think we're like this close to seeing that. But I feel like Star Wars doesn't you're right, Star Wars doesn't have enough food. But there is there is food in Star Wars. <laughs> there is food. There is food. It's um if you guys follow me on Twitter, you guys know that I watch a lot of K dramas and Asian dramas. They're like my favorite thing right now. Really good uh distraction, I think, too. But uh they eat so much in those shows. Like they're constantly eating more than I've ever seen in any American TV show and also more than I've ever seen in, in Star Wars at all. <laughs> and I think mm-hmm. it just really highlights how few instances there are of people eating. And, you know, I feel like a lot of problems in the Star Wars galaxy could probably be solved if they all just, you know, ate a little bit more. They're just a little hangry. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that in terms of food, like sharing a meal is a form of communication. If we always say that like the problem in Star Wars in with our characters is this these interpersonal relationships don't they don't talk to each other enough. And often that can happen when you're breaking bread with someone and sharing with someone, like the act of sharing, mm-hmm. I think is is missing <laughs> from Star Wars and what well, we're going to talk about certain parts. But the first thing that comes to my mind is how impatient Luke is when he's in Yoda's hut and where when Yoda is just like over the fire, brewing a stew. <laughs> he's like, yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> There's no patience there. And Yoda says it. Yeah. Just like enjoy the stew, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm slaved over a hot hut all day. <laughs> brewing the stew. I've been brewing. Do you know how long this stew takes to brew? <laughs> it's called the root leaf stew. So <laughs> probably a long time. Roots are you know dense. You got they've got to brew for a while to get all the flavors extracted. Totally. Out of them, That's like you a, know? it's a slow cooker situation. Yeah, it's a slow cooker situation. Which um, I don't know about you, but my mom always made slow cooker meals growing up, and I feel like there was always a pork loin in the in the crock pot <laughs> when I would come home from school. <laughs> Yeah, same and I actually. Don't really like pork loin as much anymore <laughs> because of that. I never really liked pork loin growing up, to be honest. I except because my mom always bought it because it's an easy thing to buy at the grocery store. It's so cheap, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like I was. I don't know. My parents loved it. Still do. Right. My mom told me to buy it for like my quarantine meals. <laughs> I have three pork roasts in my freezer. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I guess I'll put it in the slow cooker. Literally. No. <laughs> I've no. become my mom. But don't I'm actually excited. I'm going to make tacos. It's going to be great. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, pork tacos. Yeah. Pork loin in a crock pot with like vegetables they just get they all just like turn the same color by the end of the day 
Yeah, no. <laughs> just, just, no. No. Yeah, that's like all. Yoda's root leaf stew, honestly. Yeah. You know, I can maybe maybe Luke just was trying to say that he's, you know, allergic to root leaf stew. <laughs> he has a food allergy. But okay. Which Star Wars film has the most eating in it though? Okay. Well, I think it has to be Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Because and it's funny because if we talk about communication and sharing conversation and everything, it's like Anakin and Padme go on like a couple of on like quote unquote dates, right? Um, you know what I mean? Like they, they got a DTI. They sit down, the pair, they have the picnic, the deleted scene with the family. She even she they come in, they talk about how hungry they are, you know. And I think that that's and then Dex's diner can't forget that. They they share a meal with the the Larses. Like there's a lot of stuff in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, and they come to the conclusion that they need to get married, and you know, lots of lots of communication and lots of eating. <laughs> Indeed, St- things still end up pretty dire by the end of the whole story. <laughs> but, but at least they're eating. <laughs> <laughs> at least they're it's dire on a full stomach. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to have to say I think I think Attack the Clones definitely has the most eating. I would say probably Phantom Menace after that, unless you count all of the dining that was kind of happening in the background of The Last Jedi. But Phantom Menace at least has the the dinner at Shmi's. Mm. And that's really all I can think of. And I don't really know when we sit down for a meal after that <laughs> i think that in empire strikes back like the mention of the of yoda stew and yoda grabbing that's the, true and the and rations and then vader's, vader's like set dinner. set dinner yeah do they eat seems a little um, tense <laughs> it's very tense they don't <laughs> eat but it's there in terms of most food consumed we're probably looking at attack of the clones and empire as mm-hmm. the two leads but then also the Force Awakens has a couple of things, right? Like they have Rey eating and her portions, which is significant character detail of her. And then at Maz's castle, you have the the entire bounty of fruit that they just chow on. I'm not saying there's a lot of food there, but there's food. You not know, good, there's not a lot of good food. But like in the first ten minutes of that movie, there's yeah, food. There is. There is. That's true. Okay, so I think that maybe like we should start off by talking about the drinks before we get into the food because I think we're talking about like the broad specifics of each movie and everything when really I think that we can all agree that there's not that much food in Star Wars. The food that happens is sporadic, but you know, there's a lot of food. I just have to say before we move on, there's a lot of food in the animation. And like I don't think we can kind of play that down. There's a lot of food, the fruit, you know, it, it's everywhere. The cakes, I think the animators love to draw the food and who can blame them. But <laughs> there's fruit, there's cakes, there's cakes, you know, all two food groups. <laughs> there's not a food pyramid in Star Wars, there's just a food rectangle. Exactly. It's divided in half, fruit and cake. <laughs> Anyway, the I think that we should start off with drinks, though, because I think in in terms of thinking about Star Wars and what you eat and what you, what you consume, I think that most people think about blue milk and now the Thalassiren milk. Um, so the blue and green milk that's available at Galaxy's Edge and everything. And man, Caitlin, I just don't really know how I feel about blue and green milk after trying it. 
I like I always, them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were good, but it's I don't know. They were they were good. I just I didn't get it the last time I was there, and I think that says something. You know, I, I will say I feel like they have a very muted flavor. They're not super strong. I don't think. I think I think some people would disagree with you. Really, I don't think I didn't think they were super strong either. One of them. I think I yeah. If I remember, I think I liked the green milk better. Right, you did. But they both they like they were good. They were good when I for a hot day. You know, they were mm-hmm. cold and they had. I thought it was relatively light flavor profiles. Yeah, it was delicious. Mm-hmm. Um. It was. I mean, it was nice. I just. I am not super drawn to it, but you cannot understate how iconic it is. And I think that Caitlin and I loved this video in like 2007 from like the 501st in Georgia. They created a video of this little oh girl, my God. this little girl who's dressed up as Leia, talking about Bantha Blue Milk, and she says like it's the best in the galaxy. It's a commercial, and then <gasps> oh. an explosion happens. And the like, the Imperial stormtroopers come in, and they like kind of, which is it sounds really awful when I say it out loud, but they like kind of hold this Princess Leia at gunpoint, and they're like, say, say, Imperial Bantha milk is better. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> I just, I always like this concept of the the like politics behind Bantha Blue Milk, where yeah. it was used to be so innocent, like this thing that Abaru served and <laughs> so ubiquitous with Star Wars. And this video is so funny. I'll, I'll link it. It's hilarious. Oh, I forgot all about that. And she does it too afterwards, but she's so deadpan and sarcastic. Yeah. This little girl is like four in this video and she nails it. She's like, Bantha Blue Milk. <laughs> 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 I forgot all about that video. It's yeah, it's we used to know the whole thing. Um like I would say we probably still do. Yeah, I think if I watched it I'd be like quoting the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Back. Yeah, I think that you're right. The blue milk is so is so iconic in Star Wars and I think it's kind of funny that that's like why? <laughs> <laughs> because it's so weird. Also, it's so low budget too. It's literally just milk with blue food coloring, and I think that somehow perfectly embodies a new hope and and so much of like the magic that all went into it. Like really high high budget, great special effects, but also not at all. <laughs> and that mixture is so perfect, and that's why it's it's magic. I think the blue milk is part of it. What I think is funny is the idea of like uh, on a uh, – what are they called? A continuity manager, producer, someone who like monitors the continuity between shots having mm-hmm. to write down how many drops of blue food coloring went into <laughs> milk so that it wasn't a different shade of blue in between takes or days or something like that. <laughs> That's so funny. It's precisely – I wonder who has that drops. info. <laughs> yeah. Where is that drop? You see, if I worked in the Lucasfilm archives, I could find that somewhere. Yeah, because you know they had to recreate it for Attack the Clones. Yeah. Yeah. How many how much green food coloring goes into the green milk? I don't know. So much. I actually yeah, think I, it's a lot because it's really thick. And and I'm sure that they had a much bigger batch of green milk for the effect with the thalatiron yeah. than for the blue milk. So they probably had to put in more, like, what's the ratio? Were they still going for, like, the same color palette as far as, like... Is it even milk? That's the question. Because at Galaxy's Edge, it's not dairy milk. It is... No, it's like a slushy. 
No, it's not dairy milk at all. It's vegan. So it's um I think I think it's coconut milk. I could be completely wrong about that or maybe it's some sort of another nut milk and um which makes it I think it in, enhances the flavor, but I always thought it was interesting that it actually wasn't dairy milk and you have to wonder was it dairy milk originally and in Attack of the Clones? These are the things I would like to know. I don't know cuz you think about on on a new hope when they're filming in Tunisia and like bringing out milk there like if they're on set all day it's just gonna get so hot and that's what i mean that's why i'm like maybe it's almond milk i mean that just makes sense that's really just like nut water you know (laughs) yeah no that that is what it is yeah so it makes more (laughs) sense in terms of filming but were they even thinking about that in 1976 probably not i think everything was hellish (laughs) (laughs) so what's another spoiled milk to add to the 102 degree weather no use crying over spilled, spoiled milk. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> Although I would just like to envision that maybe like Aunt Baru was just she had her she had her ninja blender and she's just got almonds and she's like actually making almond milk and but like almonds are blue. <laughs> she would. She's she's already she's juicing there. She so you can totally tell she's juicing. <laughs> I've always loved that. It's such like a low budget juicer too. <laughs> so great. She, she got it from Tashi Station. <laughs> More like TJ Maxx. <laughs> <laughs> I the thing that's so funny about that whole scene. One, I love their the forks that they use and like the plates that they use are so. To me, they look like they're trying to be spacey. Which I think is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the design of them, the shape of them is very like you bought it at TJ Maxx in 1977 because your kid liked the outer space. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> the whole thing just it, it's I feel like everything that happens on Tatooine at the beginning of New Hope just very much reminds you that this was made in 1977 in a good way. Uh, yeah, the jean jackets. The jean jackets. Bruce just like straight out of. Iowa outfit. <laughs> yeah. Like, no offense to Iowa. Yeah. Iowa's great. Don't get me wrong. Caitlin's family's from Iowa. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying <laughs> it was very much like straight out of Americana. Yeah, it's very like <laughs> a little dark. <laughs> middle Midwest, like yeah. the big collar, the big um the jean jacket with the big shoulders and mm-hmm. like, almost like shoulder pads and the colors and yeah it's like a far cry from the like jedi tunic situation i feel like she brought that with her i feel like that was in her suitcase and <laughs> like that's what i think of anyway yeah. we're straying from the subject <laughs> this is not this is not a wardrobe this is not a costuming episode this is a food episode okay let's talk about calf though because calf is also iconic star wars so much so that now my mom can't stop saying coffee, like calling it co- calf instead of coffee. She loved it in Galaxy's Edge, like loved that whole denotation that it's – I think it's funny. And I think this is one of those brilliant like changes that Star Wars has done to something that's real life just to make it a little bit more Star Wars-y. Like, you know, Refresher is another one of those. <laughs> but calf is just, you know, solid coffee. I love I love anytime calf is included, but especially in last shot. Caitlin, you made a note about this in our notes. Yeah, there's actually a whole passage that talks about a diner called 
free ragos satellite free rag free free ragos free rag it almost looks like ragu <laughs> another food uh, sauce mm-hmm. uh yeah so hold on i'm gonna read it because i think i'm pretty sure we read it in our last shot discussion to this little passage here but i think it's so funny reminder that charlotte and i love last shot and i think it's so fun but uh, they're at this diner, which I think is great because, again, we don't really get a lot of instances in the films where they're chilling, eating, and talking about their problems. And this is a great scene because it takes – if you don't know, Last Shot takes place in two different timelines. And this one takes place in the earlier timeline. And Han just saw his – like his crush, Sana. Sana? Sana? I think, I think it's Sana. And uh, he's trying to talk to Chewie about it. And Chewie is just – literally over it he doesn't want to hear anymore (laughs) (laughs) and so they're at this uh diner the free rigo satellite diner and he goes quote that's how i see it han said sipping lukewarm calf and leaning toward leaning forward like he was about to reveal a major galactic secret the way you can tell that sana likes me chewy groaned and looked out the window at the various cruisers docked outside she doesn't act like it not at all han wiggled his eyebrows the opposite even but you know that's how you know. Am I right? They'd gone through all the stages of a stakeout several times already, from the initial thrill and a tasty meal, steak, eggs, calf, to the lull. What's great too about this is that steak is in parentheses with an exclamation part point, eggs is in parentheses with an exclamation point, and then calf is in parentheses with an exclamation point. Like how my brain works. Literally, literally. Calf, eggs, calf. To the lull, when things settle in, to abject boredom and a general desire for something to happen, anything at all to happen, even something unrepentantly tragic, just so long as it's not more sitting around, staring across the table at the same increasingly ugly person, <laughs> and all the neon blinking signs and irritated waitresses of free regos. <laughs> then, more calf, fritzel fries, curmudgeon snippets, calf. <laughs> Han had caught a second wind while Chewie seemed to swing into a melancholy even deeper than the usual grumpiness that took him over whenever Han tried to talk about his love life or lack thereof or whatever. But Han was feeling good. Calf. Calf. So much calf. (laughs) Calf has such an overwhelming presence in Last Shot that it really makes me wonder how much coffee Daniel Jose Older drank while he was writing this. Because it's such a relatable mood, though. Like mm-hmm. now, this is where we talk about real life. Where Caitlin and I both use you used to have a French press, but I feel like we're we have entered the French the age of the French press, right? Mm-hmm. Like a week or a week and a half ago, I ordered a French press on Amazon at three a.m. and now I'm very into French press coffee. I'm going through coffee so fast; it's insane. Oh my god! Yeah, and my brain is literally calf exclamation point all the time <laughs> yeah i i had i've had a french press for a while and but i had because i bought my first one last year and i got like a cheap one because this is what i always do i get like a really low budget version of something and see if i'm gonna stick with it before i uh buy a nicer one and then you had kind of done the same thing and so then you got a nicer one and i was like all right well gonna be at home <laughs> So now, now's the best time. So I bought one, two. So now we have matching French presses, which is cute. And we, we French press every morning now. And yeah, 
the amount like the the one that I got now is bigger than the old one that I used to have and I realized that I was doing French pressing so wrong and I go through so much coffee now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, same. I'm sad. I'm I'm at the almost at the end of mine and I really like the coffee I'm I have right now. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do when I run out. I have to like order some more because you have to use coarse ground coffee for a French mm-hmm. press, which I didn't know that for a while. So I feel like it's really up to my coffee game. And you're right. I feel like my brain is constantly like parentheses, calf, exclamation point, close parentheses. It's really – it's paren and then close paren. I just have to say that. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> okay. So moving on from calf, which is a hot drink, to the next hot drink. And this is just a <laughs> shout out for the people who love legends, but we never talk about legends on this show. We do, but not that often. Hot chocolate, though, in Legends is such a thing. Luke loved it. It was what, like, reminded him. I can't remember it now, though. But, I, you know, the little Legends that I've read, I always remember a couple of passages about hot chocolate. In fact, Luke talks about how how, how it makes him feel so good and, like, homey and everything. And I, I always remember that. It's really cute. And I think Mara Jade also loved it. Again, this is me showing my colors that I'm just not that familiar with Legends, but at least I, I I remember that. And I think that that was such a – it's such a big part. I think that a lot of Legend fans really hold this – the fact that hot chocolate is included in Legends canon um, to be, like, close to their heart. And I, I love that. It is kind of such a cute thing to come from Legends. <laughs> yeah. It's adorable. The fact that Luke loves – Hot chocolate? On Wikipedia, it says, uh, hot chocolate was an exotic warm chocolate milk drink. It had many aficionados, some of the most famous being Lando Calrissian and Luke Skywalker. Skywalker had grown so fond of the drink, he kept a secret stash of the pods, is what I remember, used to make it aboard his brother-in-law's freighter. His wife, Mara Jade, also enjoyed it. The solo family, Han, Leia, and Alana, okay, I have no idea who that is, I'm sorry, <laughs> had a tradition of drinking the beverage while watching the Pair Needmo News Hour. Oh my god. Hot chocolate was frowned upon in Palpatine's court and among smugglers. Of course. Yeah. Like, this is why hot chocolate is pure. It's good. Because <laughs> when Palpatine doesn't like it, that's when you know it's good. <laughs> you, you know who I bet would love hot chocolate? Ray. No. I mean, yeah, probably. I was going to say Hondo Anaka. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm actually surprised at it. Maybe it has come up in Rebels. I need to start my Rebels rewatch. This is, now's the time, guys. To rewatch Rebels, rewatch Clone Wars, and I need to start mine because I feel like oh. I'll, I'll like blow through it in like two days. <laughs> yeah, probably. There's, uh, I love, I the thing I love about Star Wars food is how some things are just pulled directly from, you know, the real world, and then other ones are just like they're so random. Like yeah. looking on this on this Wikipedia page about you know hot chocolate, it's just. You know, it writes, a number of things were used to enhance the taste of hot chocolate. A, sil- a sliver of tang bark, a.k.a. cinnamon. <laughs> a drop of orchid bean extract, a.k.a. vanilla. A dollop of mallow paste on top, a.k.a. marshmallow. <laughs> like, th- this, is what I, this is why I love Star Wars. I love how they change things. Calf. It doesn't need to be calf. It's just caffeinated beverage. Like, it's coffee. It doesn't need to be calf. It can be coffee. But it's, it's not. Right. It's calf. It's so you know? great. It's so great. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny. I feel like Calf and I haven't read really any Legends books, but the hot chocolate and Calf always made appearances in 
fan fiction. I feel like Calf is I feel like Calf is from Legends as well. And it, it is was, yeah. it pulled into like quote unquote canon. And so the in like refresher too, those are all things that I was familiar with through fan fiction. And so then getting to see it you know, actually in, you know, something like Last Shot. <laughs> yeah, now that you say that, I'm pretty sure that's why I knew that whole hot chocolate thing. Mm-hmm. But it is, it's not, and I mean this with, like, love, really, that detail about Luke loving hot chocolate feels like a fan fiction detail that, I don't know, would make yeah. me feel really excited it feels about like that. Because it, it does. And it feels super it feels super in character. Mm-hmm. And to have that written in a book labeled Star Wars is kind of affirming. Yeah. You know? Well, you know they're all if you're on Twitter, you know that sometimes these kinds of threads get passed around of like, okay, all the Star Wars characters at Starbucks, what are they all ordering? And people just like list off what they think different characters will order or they're at, you know, they're at McDonald's who's ordering the Big Mac or whatever it is, like these kind of you had canon these characters in into the real world and what their likes and dislikes would be. And I can totally see people, well, obviously, because like you said, it, it feels very in character for Luke to be at a Starbucks and order a tall hot chocolate with whipped cream on top. There's nothing wrong with that. It's There's just seems nothing exactly wrong with what, that. what Luke would do. <laughs> yeah. It was funny when I was at the airport a couple weeks ago when Charles and I come back from Seattle, I or were going, I don't remember, but I remember there was this like – really um he was he was this older man but he was like very fit very buff but he was older and i remember he like got to this starbucks and he ordered a tall hot chocolate it's cute. <laughs> it is cute but i remember i was like that's not at all what i expected you to order <laughs> like you kind of expect like some of, like, i i would have thought he would have ordered you know a black coffee mm-hmm. <laughs> but he came in asking for the hot chocolate Starbucks hot chocolate is really good. It I'm is really saying. good. It is really good. Their peppermint. But you know what's the best hot chocolate from a coffee chain? Cafe Nero has the best hot chocolate. Mm. Just saying. Okay. Moving on. Let's talk about Chewy eating or almost eating the roasted pork. <laughs> uh, we're moving away from drinks now. Maybe we'll return to it. You never know here. But the the roasted <laughs> pork... Honestly, let's be real. That roasted pork looked good. <laughs> looked like a really delicious rotisserie chicken. It, did, it didn't look dry at all. Yeah, it looked perfect. You know, it had a nice sheen like in the firelight. You could just tell it would be really good. I know. <laughs> Poor Chewy didn't even get to try it. He well, we knew. Don't know that. He, we don't he, know that. There could yeah, have, we don't. There could have been one he already ate. <laughs> Schrodinger's pork <laughs> <laughs> it's just you have to envision now chewy right how tall is chewy lumbering around octo trying to chase porgs did he set up a pork trap did he get a net what do you put in a pork trap you know do you put in like a carrot like a bunny rabbit what do you do how do you trap a pork and then he trapped one pork but not other porks oh yeah he, he has another he had more on the spit right yeah, so maybe he's already eaten one. Then he has to you have to like go through the whole process of like preparing the pork and then it just gets a little grizzly. Like where is he doing that? On the Falcon? I need does the Falcon have a garbage disposal? I think it does, yeah, because they, they let the garbage go. No, that was the, the big ship. Never mind. Never mind. But maybe maybe they <laughs> I'm do sure that. Sure they too. have the same the same yeah. thing though, right? I feel like all ships have to in Star mm-hmm. Wars. It's part of their regulations or something yeah that, building that makes ghosts sense. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It really makes sense. <laughs> okay. In terms of moving on, I want to share a story about me today cooking from the Galaxy's Edge cookbook, which is it's a delightful cookbook to flip through, and I'm sure some of the recipes are good. I just haven't personally explored it yet. I wanted to. I really did want to do a cook through, but some of them are just so in, like insane almost. And that's the purpose of the book, honestly, is it's supposed to be like, – if it wasn't weird, then I wouldn't want it, you know? And I – I, so I love it. I also, I love Galaxy's Edge, love the cookbook, whatever. I really wanted the cookbook. It's right up my alley. But one of the most interesting recipes in there is Ray's portion bread, which is a, such a magical moment in The Force Awakens when that bread like springs to life, like instant yeast or something, you know, it's like a, it's like a time <laughs> capsule or not a time capsule, a, a time lapse. Mm-hmm. And um, I think everyone was so, sort of enchanted by that. And so they developed a recipe for it. And I made it today, and it takes one minute. You put it all together in a bowl, and you form a a ball, and you use seaweed flakes. Okay, so this is where I deviated from the recipe. I don't have seaweed flakes. Probably should have seaweed flakes because I don't actually mind seaweed flakes, but – and you put them in there just for a little bit of a taste because I think this portion bread is supposed to taste way better than – Raised Raise. portion bread. Like, I think that you're supposed to think that hers is like literally disgusting. There's no salt. And even, yeah, exactly. And even Daisy had talked about how it doesn't really taste like anything. Um, anyway, so I made it and I added instead of seaweed, I had some green onions, some scallions. So I chopped them up really small and I added them instead just for, for looks. And anyway, my bread like totally did not turn out. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't have that same effect in fact it was it like the ball did not remain when you put it in the microwave for one minute it's a microwave situation and (laughs) it was very weird very gloppy but you know I have to say the recipe tried I like the the cinnamon there was it was it was interesting I just it didn't really have the the spring to life effect that that happened with Ray's and it was like oh boy I just wasted like four tablespoons of precious flour in this moment. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think I liked how you described it about when we all first saw the bread. It was I think we all were very enchanted with it. It was like a whoa. And, you know, she's got that green meat, meat substitute, whatever it is that she fries up and the way it sizzles. It all sounds very much like our kitchen, but the bread. It's called veg meat. Okay, gross. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> it doesn't tofu. Yes, veg meat. No, <laughs> um, it. Uh, but it the bread was just like whoa. Like you weren't expecting it. How she just puts her swirls her finger in it and then steps away and whoosh. There it is. And I think when we all learned that it was the practical effect that it actually happened on set, we were like, whoa, what? <laughs> Such magic exists. in the world i think it's really funny though that yours didn't work out (laughs) it worked out fine i'll post a i'll post a photo on sky talkers after i release this episode and you'll see it it looks like it looks right it's the same color and everything Mm. it's just it's not as cool as rays (laughs) and and i I wanted to be a little bit more fluffy but maybe i'm just picky i don't know maybe you just gotta try it again you know yeah i don't know about that caitlin but (laughs) Sure. <laughs> the cinnamon. You want. The cinnamon didn't really do it for you. I don't know. But I think of like 
cinnamon and seaweed flakes like that sounds like an odd combo to me no it, it worked it was it added more flavor to it i think that i'm, I'm gonna defend the cinnamon the pinch of cinnamon well i feel, I feel like yeah but i feel like the cinnamon and the seaweed flakes if you're doing it with seaweed flakes but and the scallions i don't I don't know. I guess I've never cooked with cinnamon and scallions before in the same. I actually have. Honestly, oh. I have. Um, my mom loves to make uh, these turkey burgers that are so good. They're turkey, feta cheese, scallions, a little bit of nutmeg, and a little bit of cinnamon. It's like a pinch. And mm. it's delicious. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like with the nutmeg and cinnamon, it does become a, like more savory. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Anyway, that was an experience. But rice portion bread is great it is such a good it is insane that it's a practical effect i like the exact recipe honestly because i just want to do that in terms of a science experiment Mm -hmm. not necessarily a taste experiment because i can make my own bread you know what i mean (laughs) that you know it takes a while with the rise and everything but i don't need a one minute bread (laughs) it takes like a quick bread to the next level (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> truly it's one minute <laughs> it's 60 cute, seconds though, the, the recipe is only for one it's a Aww. it's a single yeah it's it's cute i was like wow that's adorable and sad, sad. <laughs> yeah mark mark your days on the wall of yeah. of working from home and every day you make raised bread and see if it gets better oh that's sad <laughs> oh that's sad <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on <laughs> from sadness to a, a new addition, I feel like, into our Star Wars food cookbook is the deep fried Nuna legs. Which so they're not a- exactly new. They've been in the Clone Wars for a while. I feel like they really got their chance to shine, though, recently. So it's actually, like, not confirmed that that is that the Nuna drumstick is what Wrecker was holding in the latest episode of The Clone Wars, or like two episodes ago. But it had to be, right? It's got to be. I mean, how many how many different types of deep fried legs can there be in the galaxy? Well, there's Tip Yip. There's, there's Shack Meat. There's, there's a lot of stuff, Caitlin. There's a lot of Asian. Shaq No, Shaq. Like the what Anakin rides in oh, yeah. in in the on Naboo. <laughs> My first thought was Shakti, and I was like, no. "What?" <laughs> no, I think that even it's on a Galaxy's Edge menu too. It's weird how familiar you get when you have been to Galaxy's Edge. You're like, "Oh yeah, sh- Endoran Tip Yip." You're like, "What? <laughs> what am I saying?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you saying? <laughs> like, well, the it's different the different fried meats chicken available. <laughs> In Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, the I feel like uh, if you haven't watched Clone Wars, the new season, this isn't really much of a spoiler for you, but the one of the clones from the Bad Batch named Wrecker, <laughs> there's an episode where he's just walking around the ship in the back with like a giant mass of turkey. <laughs> it's, it's just really enjoyable. He's benching and also eating a turkey leg. And it's just... <laughs> It's a vibe, but I don't know what kind of vibe. It's, it's not our vibe. vibe. It's not our yeah, vibe. No, no. But I, I think that it is deep fried Nuna legs. The deep fried Nuna drumsticks actually first made the, its appearance on the episode The Deserter of the Clone Wars, but perhaps is most notably from The Voyage of T- Temptation, and it was uh, right in front of Satine. So. Well, now I'm sorry. Now you know. Yeah, now you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> always circle back to sadness somehow. Yeah. <laughs> somehow 
Actually, let's talk about something fun, which is the Melu Run fruit from Star Wars Rebels. Melu Run is that thing that every time I see it written, I have to actively think about how to pronounce it. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm always like Melu Run <laughs> fruit. Like when I see it written out, it just doesn't come automatically in my head for some reason. But the Melu Run fruit is from it's from the early season of Rebels, and it's such. <laughs> It's such a fun episode. And I love the first episode, right? Yeah, yeah, it is the first. So, yeah, I was right. It's an early episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, Hera gives Zeb and Ezra a shopping list. Basically, she sends the two kids to the store (laughs) and says they can't come back until they find Melu Run fruit. And Melu Run fruit is super rare, it's super expensive. You just don't come across it every day. I just love the idea that this episode was just focused around – I mean, the point of the episode was Zeb and Ezra working as a team, but tracking down this piece of fruit. <laughs> it's just really funny. I actually – I placed an order from a store on Etsy called Fulcrum Dawn, which does a lot of Star Wars pins and stickers, and they have some great Rebels stickers, and they had a Melu Run fruit sticker, which I got, and I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I know they they're a really fun designed fruit honestly mm-hmm. and um a galaxy edge the, the juice is quite good you know there's a reason why hair was after it <laughs> there really is there really is Charlotte's told our Melu run juice story before on the show when we were in galaxy's edge but basically just like in rebels it was a hot commodity and it was hard to come by in galaxy's edge and we got overcharged Maybe we were lied to. <laughs> Who knows, know. man? Who knows? It's I a don't conspiracy. <laughs> At the end of the day, we got one Melee Run juice when we asked for two and were promised none. So I don't really know <laughs> if we came out winning or not, but we got to try some Melee Run or I got to try some Melee Run juice. You'd already tried it by then, but it's it's really good. It's great. Would have loved really to have good. some more of it. Yeah, it's not in Disney World. It's only in Disneyland, too, which is interesting. Okay, talking about Aunt Z's Tavern in in Star Wars Resistance, which is a great show if you haven't checked it out. Now both seasons are on Disney+, Plus, so if you haven't seen it, you should definitely catch up. But something to mention before we even go into talking about Aunt Z's Tavern is Aunt Z is super cool because she, for a lot of reasons, but especially because she has a space waffle tattoo mm. and space waffles are in Star Wars now. We have waffles and they're triangular. <laughs> Why aren't <laughs> our waffles triangular? <laughs> I, uh, honestly, if you guys haven't watched Star Wars Resistance and haven't gotten to know Aunt Z, you are missing out. <laughs> she is so cool. And the space waffle tattoo... When we all saw the space waffle tattoo, I think like the Star Wars Resistance fans had a moment, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah it was, absolutely. We were like, wow. <laughs> wow. I love Aunt Z's Tavern too because it's so it's not it's so not a cantina and it's not a casino like we see in in The Last Jedi. It it's not Dex's diner either. It really is a tavern. People go there to get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> to throw darts and it just feels like so many funny things happen in the tavern too and auntie is such a funny character she's got so much sass i love when 
whenever Kaz would come in and he doesn't have money, she's like, that's okay, Kaz. I'll, I'll give you something on the house. And Kaz is like, oh, wow. Thank you so much, Ozzy. And then she just hands him a glass of water. <laughs> like, she's like, don't take up space at my bar for paying customers. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ansi's Tavern. I think it's so Same. great. <laughs> but Ansi's, though, is another example of, like, a place where things – like, a place of eating and community coming together where things are able to happen, mm. you know? And, again, that's part of why The Colossus is one of the best set pieces in Star Wars is <laughs> just because, like, it has these spaces where people congregate regularly and there's familiarity there, which – uh, I think is I think we don't see as often in Star Wars, honestly. I think you're right about that, but I would say that in the same way, I think that Star Wars has been trying to recreate the cantina on Tatooine forever, and in basically every single story in terms of a place of congregation. And I don't think Ansi's is, while yes, it is a part of a larger space station, so therefore you're right that. They have a lot of people who congregate in this one area. I think that the magic of that cantina in Tatooine in episode four, I think, is something that everyone is always chasing, like this wild nature of like, you never know who you're going to see in the corners, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think, though, that Aunt Z's is different because it's someplace that we revisit a lot. And it has mm-hmm. this, like, the same people are coming in and out of it. The cantina is something that I think every every Star Wars film kind of feels like it needs to have in some mm-hmm. form or fashion. And certainly the tavern is just another iteration of that. But, like, getting to, getting to know Aunt Z the way that we never got to know the bartender at the cantina – and the fact that they're continually coming back to it. And it's like the cantina is more about what the characters are talking about, I think, or uh, the tavern. Like, I don't know. Obviously, the cantina and A New Hope, like important things happen there and it's the conversation. But people are so obsessed with the setting of the cantina, too. Like, I think we hear you hear so many people that that's part of what drew them into Star Wars was like obsessing over all the creatures and characters in the background of the cantina, maybe even more so than like the Han shot first moment. You know, I just think, I think you're right. Like they all are cut from the same cloth of like a restaurant is like a third place. It's a place where you go and congregate and you have important conversations. But what's nice about having a series and what's great about the Colossus and resistance is that they're all in the same place. And so they're all continually going to the tavern so that in some instances it becomes less about what's going on in the background of the tavern or what you're seeing in the tavern and more about what the characters are actually talking about. You get more time to focus on like more of the details, I think. Yeah, that's true. I think that you get that in a long form series versus like yeah, a, a single exactly. movie. Exactly. But I think both of them, again, you're right, they're cut from the same cloth. And I think that cloth probably starts with Western movies and the town tavern. Mm-hmm. And you never know what's going to happen in the saloon. And that's it is the place where everyone knows your name or doesn't know your name. You know, all these things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like I wonder what would have happened if like in the sequel trilogy, in the third trilogy, for example, if they had, I don't know, it's like it wouldn't happen because of how the story was. But if they had been able to return back to Maz's castle, how like how would that place feel when you've come into it and like Maz is still there and it's recognizable, but there are different like background characters there 
I don't know. Like, yeah. we never get to – I think that's – like, chasing the cantina scene, like, the iconic ca- cantina scene is a really interesting conversation because there are so many different ones. Like, we have Dex's Diner. We have Mouse's Castle. We have the casino on Canto Bight. Like, all these films try to have – You can keep going on and on and on, even yeah. Mandalorian and everything. Yeah, and whenever you watch the, the behind-the-scenes featurettes of these places, it's always like – well, I remember when I saw the cantina scene in a new home. <laughs> and it, like, it's crazy how much of an impact that had on so many people. Totally. Yeah. That makes me think of now we're talking about The Mandalorian. I This wasn't included in my original list, but we have to talk about Spotchka and bone broth. Like it's oh so God. iconic. Oh my God. The, the baby Yoda sipping the bone broth moment and the, the woman in the bar um, offering up an extra Spotchka. <laughs> Spotchka. I want some spotchka. I feel like I'm going to be thinking about that forever. It's like the moment she says that, it, 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 there's so many things about The Mandalorian to me that are almost instantly iconic. And to me, that was one of them. Mm-hmm. Spotchka, like, what is it? I think it's just like a drink. I don't yeah. think it's, I think it's like soup in a drink, you know? <laughs> yeah, it kind of combo. Almost, like, it does sound, it sounds kind of Russian. Like, yeah. Eastern yeah. European spachka. Like, is this like a white Russian situation? Is this like a beer? Is this like a soup? What are we? I think it's more of a beer. Yeah, that's what I kind of thought. But then they also have on that planet on Sorghum the like blue glowing drink too. So and that's actually spachka. That's I'm on, the spachka. I'm on Wikipedia right now. I actually forgot about that. So that's made from the krill. Yeah, yeah, I knew it was made from the krill. I just didn't know if that became the spotchka or if that was something different. That was like it is, and they use the word brew. So I would say that we are all right here with the blue, (laughs) the beer, that everything is—it's all the same. (laughs) Well, they have those giant vats of it in that they take down in the Mandalorian, which was a great, great scene, by the way. If you haven't seen it, but yeah, how could we forget the iconic scene of of Baby Yoda just with the baby broth, with the with the baby broth, with the bone broth, just watching the Mandalorian and Cara Dune duke it out. so good honestly so good (laughs) everyone writes about that as like oh that's the tea but really that's the bone broth it's the bone broth (laughs) the bone you know at work we had a tasting of bone broth recently and it was baby yoda emojis in the chat every single time it was called we were tasting bone broth i just you know it was iconic everyone knows that bone broth is like perfectly associated now with baby uh baby yoda even if you're not in the star wars fandom at all and i just love that i love it so funny so funny oh baby yoda i know it's always like i remember that was such the conversation with the mandalorian is how does he eat what does he do (laughs) and i remember in that episode someone had asked him you know when's the last time you took that thing off and he was like yesterday yeah well she serves him breakfast and then he takes it off and he eats it in front of the open window for some reason i know okay (laughs) hope none of the kids see you i guess it only it it only counts for you to remove the armor for life if the person who sees you is over like 12 (laughs) in which case well i was gonna say in which case why can't baby yoda see you but i guess he's 50 50. yeah (laughs) i guess i guess that's why Okay, moving on. Let's talk about the iconic pair because the pair is oh one God. of those things that is so Earth in a world that doesn't need to be Earth. But 
the pear. <laughs> We've talked about the pear a lot, like for years on the show, yeah. about something that I think is quite en- enigmatic for you, Caitlin. Like you, you never really loved the pear. You, you thought oh it was God. pretty. <laughs> see clearly pretty war- like earthly no I just thought it was funny that's not why I dislike the pear scene what bothered okay. me about the pear scene is that he he gives her the small piece <laughs> he literally gives her the butt of the pear <laughs> he, he, he doesn't cut it in half he cuts it in thirds and he keeps the two thirds big part for himself and gives the the last the last third the butt third <laughs> back to Padme <laughs> It's not great. <laughs> it's not great. You have to assume that he continues to feed her, but the scene cuts. No. So you're you like, can't. you really just start there. <laughs> you can't assume anything with Anakin. <laughs> What's funny is uh, people who who maybe know this, but Charlotte and I wrote a fan fiction about this whole thing once, and uh, it was called... What we was were it? like twelve. <laughs> we were not. We were not twelve. We were like fourteen. It's fine. <laughs> it was called the fanfic. Actually, I'm not going to tell you what it was called. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's still up. But it was basically a story, uh, like a. It was a one shot, <laughs> and it was basically a because sh- I held the head cannon that Padme was secretly like so annoyed that Anakin gave her the tiny piece of the bear, <laughs> and so. And then part of the story, too, was that Anakin, like, hoarded the other part of the pair as, like, <laughs> I don't know, to show that he had it. It was a dumb story. But that the, this, like, all this, like, one shot all takes place in Attack of the Clones where Padme just gets, like, increasingly annoyed even after they finish dinner that, like, he kept the bigger part of the pair. <laughs> and she's just, like, it's, like, weighing on her mind <laughs> for days that he kept the bigger part of the pair and like wasn't a gentleman about it to give her the bigger piece well she didn't do that clearly because she kisses him later i know i am i'm i'm over here like girlfriend <laughs> is this smart can't forgive that <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's the little things that add up to the big things and you know what he became darth vader so. <laughs> i was about to say you know it's all compounded she's <laughs> First strike is stealing the top of the pear, but second strike is killing all of the Tuscan Raiders, but she still stays. <laughs> so clearly she's not that mad. She should have paid attention with the pear. I was going to say, you know, she. I can accept killing all the Tuscan Raiders, but I draw the line at giving me the bottom of the pear. She should have. Uh, we, anyway. We, we actually read that fan fiction on uh, our Patreon, like two years ago if you really want to go back and find it yeah but it was really bad and uh i still think that scene is hilarious that scene is part like attack of the clones is so funny (laughs) i love that movie (laughs) and her face i'm I'm due for a rewatch i am too i am too uh her face even you can tell that it's a little like i'm laughing but my eyes are killing you kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) that's what i read into it (laughs) yeah it's it's good it's good yeah (laughs) it's a good scene it is it really is okay but let's talk about the star of galaxy's edge which is the ronto rap you know, some people don't like the Ronto rap. I don't. Caitlin and I are here. I don't know those people, and I choose yeah, not same. To. I don't recognize those people. <laughs> <laughs> no. Actually, if you don't like it, uh, you're valid. I understand. <laughs> but 
<laughs> if you if you like it, then you're my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> because honestly, love the Rontorah. Like it's so good. It's so good. It's so I don't know what I was expecting with the Ronto wrap. You see, the thing is we had the Ronto wrap with the Meiluron juice when we were in Galaxy's Edge, and it was just such a perfect combo. I really can't get over it. I often think about the Ronto wrap and how I would 100% want one right now. <laughs> yeah. It just didn't need to be. You know, the Disney hot dog is a standard throughout the park. I think there's only a couple of locations that they use a different type of hot dog. But the Ronto wrap isn't a hot dog. It is a pita, for those who don't know. It is a pita with a sausage inside of it that is – it's slightly spicy sausage Mm -hmm. with a thin slice of pork loin, which is funny given our conversation about pork loin. Yeah, it is funny. Um, And a little bit of like a a creamy slaw and then some more sauce that I think makes it a little bit spicier and a little tangy as well. And again, it doesn't need to, you know, it's not that, not that complicated, but the, the extra slice of the pork with the hot dog, like not, it's not a hot dog either. It's a sausage. But I mentioned the hot dog thing because there are like hundreds of hot dog places around Walt Disney World and Disneyland, but none of them have like this sausage and a pita. This is very unique to, to Disney parks. And, you know, honestly, slaw. it is so good. And you know what? Honestly, I'm going to admit this. I didn't know what a Ronto was until recently. Do you know mm-hmm. what a Ronto is, Caitlin? No. Okay, Ronto. Rontos, I guess, are <laughs> are those huge, like, brontosaurus. It's not a brontosaurus creature. Caitlin, why don't you Google it? Because I'm not going to describe it right. But it's the huge creature that's on Tatooine. Um, I don't think it's the one that, like, walks across the frame in the special editions that, you know, drives people crazy. But it's definitely one that almost runs over a speeder. Oh, yeah. So it kind of looks like a cross between, like, a long neck dinosaur. I'm thinking, like, Littlefoot mixed with that, like, that beaky one that kind of has, like, a Right, but they're very large. Yeah, they're very large. Yeah, that's, like, the Littlefoot, yeah. Yeah, I didn't necessarily know what a Ronto was until recently. And then I I was like, oh, of course that's a Ronto. I think that, like, if my head was – if I was held at gunpoint, I think I could probably say that a Ronto is native to Tatooine. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) These are the times, Caitlin. (laughs) Who is holding you at gunpoint? You know what? Never mind. It's fine. Um, Yeah. You always always jump to, if I was held at gunpoint (laughs) and forced to answer this very trivial trivia question from Star Wars, I don't know if I could do it. I think I could do this one, is what I'm saying. You just said I think you couldn't. Intuitively. No, no, no. I think I, I said I think, that I could. I, I think I would have picked the thing that is in the special editions. I think that's what yeah, I would have picked. Yeah, I think, I think so it's I'm hard because I get, I, get <laughs> I get those mixed up. In your universe, I don't. I'm gone. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> My cheeks hurt. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about gorgs because gorgs, gorgs are crucial to Star Wars Resistance. <laughs> Crucial. The, the essential. Essential. <laughs> essential. No Star Wars Resistance without Gorgs, let's be honest. <laughs> Every other episode, there's a Gorg. <laughs> and when I was researching this, it was clear the deep fried Gorgs are the thing. And now I just want a deep fried Gorg. I don't know about you, 
But everyone talks about their delicacies. And yeah, Bitey's funny in Resistance. But I'm here to try a deep fried gorg. The gorgs are so interesting because some are pets and some are food. (laughs) I always thought it was just kind of a weird line. (laughs) That we were opted in in Star Wars Resistance. <laughs> and they always kind of show up at random times, Bitey in particular. And I just, I never know how to feel about the Gorgs. <laughs> What's funny, though, is that the people that make the Gorgs are called Gorgmongers. Mm, we love a Gorgmonger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're important. But Niku in Star Wars Resistance, Bitey is his pet not but yeah. but niku does eat gorgs too though right yeah <laughs> niku doesn't care about this conversation of ethics he, <laughs> <laughs> he understands their delicacy but he also appreciates bitey mm-hmm. so you can you can have it both ways he can you? <laughs> <laughs> i mean we have we have pet fish we eat fish that's it's all the true. same that's true all right. Yeah. That's good. The fish doesn't walk on land, though, like next to me. <laughs> I guess I, I have had pet fish before, but never the type of fish that I eat. So True. I don't know. It's weird. So it's funny. I feel like we've talked about resistance a lot this episode, but during our resistance recaps, particularly in season one, we had this running metaphor of the season was like making a pot of pasta and boiling a pot of water because the tension was so high, like a pressure cooker leading up to the Force Awakens timeline that it just felt like every episode was turning it up a notch, like the temperature was rising another degree and like our pot was almost ready to boil and then we would get to make pasta. (laughs) So close to pasta. So close to pasta. It was a really involved metaphor. And Mm -hmm. I feel like people who aren't familiar with it are listening and going, okay. (laughs) All right. It was a lot. (laughs) It was a lot. But it made a lot of sense at the time. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, speaking of pasta in Star Wars, I don't necessarily think we've seen pasta. I could be completely wrong about that. But... In terms of comfort food, because pasta is definitely my comfort food, mm-hmm. I think we have seen chocolate in Star Wars before. We, I think Anakin brings Padme chocolate, but like we talked about hot chocolate, so of course there's chocolate. But I, I just that that just made me think of that. Maybe that's random, but I wouldn't be surprised if Luke has chocolate stored in his little, like his little travel pantry when he goes to Dagobah. Totally. I'm sure that Yoda found it, though, Those, like, weird granola bar-y snacks that Yoda eats. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Yoda didn't even (laughs) like those, so. He's just doing it to annoy Luke. It's so great. (laughs) (laughs) That's your great Jedi master, ladies and gentlemen. So something that I wanted to bring up was when I was doing these research, when I was doing all this research for food and Star Wars and everything, I came across the Constable's Caps, which is, I think, it's a reference to Constable Zuvia, which I think is really funny. Regardless, this is a recipe from Galaxy's Ed- the Galaxy's Edge cookbook. So I included this because it seems right up Caitlin's alley, despite it being basically a stuffed mushroom. So in the book, the author suggested that the best place to find large fungus, aka mushrooms, to use in the recipe was the fungal forest of the planet Skago Minor. <laughs> 
and stated that a ra- wide range of fillings could be used to stuff the fungus, including diced meat, mixed vegetables, and even imitation kill crab. Imitation we love crab. Kill crab. Kill crab. <laughs> Wait, you know what's another funny, like, weird thing that's too earthy, but it's also Star Warsy is Mon Calamari being a people and a food. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so for those who haven't been watching, the fact that they're called calamari is so funny. Why? It's so weird. So for people who haven't been watching the latest season of uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars, you might not know that Caitlin is actually pretty obsessed with Skako Minor, which is this new planet that was introduced in the first four episodes. Which seemed very—it's very weird for Caitlin to be so in in tune with a planet. So. When I read this, I was like, oh, my God, a food that would be native to Skako Minor. So here is something that you didn't know about Skako Minor was that fungus, a.k.a. mushrooms, can grow often in Skako Minor. Did you know that, Caitlin? (laughs) I didn't know that. What's funny is I'm actually not a huge fan of mushrooms. (laughs) But Skako Minor has an atmosphere of, like, sulfide or or something unbreathable, which I'm sure really lends itself to growing fungus. You know what I mean? So I'm sure it has a very particular quality to it (laughs) based off the type of chemicals and uh, atmospheric things that are in Skako Miner's atmosphere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, I can't explain the whole Skako Miner thing because it's so unrelated and ridiculous and you just have to listen to our Clone Wars recap to really understand you can listen to the first one first one first part we you'll you'll get the skako minor <laughs> the gist the gist you got it's you gotta wonder though did they ever if they didn't have imitation kill crab would they use octoptarsis good question who knows i bet constable zuvio knows oddly enough <laughs> Okay, something that I wanted to mention, and this is I didn't include this in the notes because this is something that I was actually obsessed with from 2005 until probably now. I think about this so often, and it's maybe like two paragraphs in the Revenge of the Sith novelization. (laughs) My God, you brought it up. I did. (laughs) Okay, so in the Revenge of the Sith novelization, when Padme is entertaining in her apartment for the delegation of 2000... Um, C-3PO serves something called hoi broth. So that's H-O-I broth. And when I was a kid and I was reading this, <laughs> I was always like, what the heck? They, they go on and on in this book about how it's an acquired taste and Padme doesn't even really like it. And let me read the Wikipedia entry. Hoi broth was an aqualish soup and beverage which was considered a delicacy jedi master obi-wan kenobi was allergic to the soup and once reacted so badly to drinking it on the planet ando it was served by senator padme amidala at her apartment during a meeting of the delegation of 2000 held there and it was also served at dex's diner considered both a a soup and a beverage (laughs) hoi broth's ingredients include boiled seaweed and oxidized spices the broth could be served in a tube and had a distinctive smell which would remain even after the broth had been consumed a tube yes i know okay so it's very the 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 novel goes on and on about how it's an acquired taste some people don't like it padme herself didn't really like it you know obi-wan had an allergic reaction to it this feels like such a weird detail (laughs) and the allergic reaction really sends I think, pa- yeah, I know. The pa- the fact that Padme, like, didn't like the smell of it, I think is supposed to, in my older age, I understand that I th- Padme is pregnant in this in this book. Like, I think it's supposed to be, like, a reaction to her not liking the smell of something. And I 
I just thought this was so weird. <laughs> I still think it's weird. This is one of those things that just really sticks out to me. I don't know. Did anyone else listening, were they always like, what the hell is up with this poi broth? <laughs> <laughs> it's in everything. And it's actually, it actually makes a, an appearance on screen. Oh, my God. In, in the deleted scenes. It's, uh, I think, the first line that Th- 3PO says, and I think one of the deleted, se- the deleted scenes from that scene of the delegation of 2000, um, of... I think 3PO is serving it and it's in a, a tube like like they described there. The tube the, another one where it, it just kind of goes between two like is it a drink? Is it a soup? Is it a pet? Is it a snack? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's I, I think I think really it's a a palate cleanser, but it's it's more uh, than a palate cleanser because it's Star Wars. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So that I makes just think sense. Poor Obi Wan is allergic to it, you know. <laughs> I wonder if it's if he has a really serious allergy, where if he smells it, then that starts the allergic reaction, or if he just has to consume it. You know how some people, like some people, have really serious peanut allergies where they can't even smell it, mm-hmm. and it will cause a reaction to start. Or if it's how does it? I wonder how old he was when he found out. I feel like they don't really serve really nice stuff at the Jedi Temple. I could be wrong. I don't know. It just doesn't seem... Yeah. Hoi Broth is technically canon now. I mean, not canon. Not canon. It's technically Legends now. So, like, I haven't seen it in a while. But when it makes that appearance again, <laughs> man, I'm going to be there <laughs> banging that Hoi Broth drum. <laughs> I wonder... I'm sure it's written in the Attack of the Clones novelization, but what they're eating when Anakin and Padme are traveling back to Naboo undercover. And there's that fantastic outtake where Hayden Christensen goes to eat the soup, but it's hot and he goes, oh, God, that's hot. <laughs> it's so good. It's so I, good. I literally replay that in my head every time I take a sip of coffee and I drink my coffee too soon and it's too hot. I go, God, that's hot. And I yeah, hate it. Just like him. In it's my head. so good. I do that too. And I always thought it was funny how R2 went in the buffet line when there was no droids allowed in the buffet line and he just got all the stuff. And he's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> R2 just charges ahead. <laughs> it is in the Attack of the Clones novelization, though. I actually remember that. I think that the the food is actually pretty detailed in that scene about how bad it is and how mm-hmm. the soup, because um, they're traveling like refugees, you know, yeah. I think they're supposed to be like very much undercover. Um, With I think super it's, elaborate headpiece. I actually think that in the book, though, they talk about how hot the soup was and it That's could funny. be like a wink. Yeah. That's funny. a wink. Yeah. Yeah, I think I feel like there are always so many. There are so many drinks in Star Wars that we have. I mean, we haven't even talked about the Millennium Falcon from Solo when Lando has his entire bar built, yeah, <laughs> into the Falcon, which is just such a such a great moment. <laughs> Solo has a lot of weird food, and it actually, yeah. you know, uh, Dryden Voss has those weird that weird like jello looking stuff that he's, oh, he's sipping on yeah, no. that i think is supposed to be like caviar no i don't want it i don't want it either and i think that they have actually tried to recreate it at galaxy's edge at the cantina there and i haven't ordered it i haven't gotten any food at, at the cantina at galaxy's edge but the i think it's i think that i always think it's so funny i i one of the things that Solo does really well, I think, is the extravagance in the food. It just really reminds me of the the prequels mm-hmm. on Dryden's yacht. 
Yeah, I agree. They have great. Uh, I remember we, when shots from uh, Solo started coming out, we all were like, when can I get this dinnerware? All the plates <laughs> and cups and, and cutlery all looked amazing. It was so great. I would, I would, I personally would love a tour of Dryden's ship, of his yacht, of Kira's, I should say. And you should say, I should say, I do say <laughs> of Kira's yacht. It, uh, it, it looks really great. Anyway, yeah, and then I do. I, and when you mentioned that about R two kind of going through the buffet line, it just reminds me of R two in Return of the Jedi when he's the drink. When he's, like, when he's serving drinks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's one of my favorite little details of Return of the Jedi when three PO and R two meet up again, and three PO's like, "R two, what are you doing?" And he's literally just like, you know, serving drinks. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny um so charlotte and i for for far too long would get the smugglers bounty subscription box where they would send you funkos every month and I, or it was every other month or once a quarter or something like that but we got too many of them <laughs> but for not being them, funko people yeah we would get them every every time we got them would be like are we funko collectors no and then we'd never cancel it so now I do have a small but sturdy Funko collection. <laughs> Same. <laughs> a small merry band of Funkos. <laughs> a small fortune of Funkos, of exclusive Funkos. Literally at this point, I'm just saving them so I can sell them later. Same. Same. But one of them, I remember, was our two, like, beverage R2 version <laughs> from Return the Jedi. Yeah, that was great. That one is, I really like that one, actually. <laughs> I think the beverage R2, I think, is so funny. It's such like a funny variant of R2. Yeah. It would have been fun to design that. Like, okay, so it's going to fit around him like this, and it's got to come out like this, and how many cup holders does it have? What would a beverage BB-8 look like? That's a question. Oh, it'd be really hard. I think maybe BB-8 would have to have like a little trolley behind him, almost like a horse and buggy situation. Yeah, I was like thinking about how how baby baby, oh my gosh, BB-9E <laughs> would be better because he could become a table because the top of his head is flat yeah. versus BB-8 who has a dome. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I think that BB-8 would have to have like a little trolley behind him, mm-hmm. which could also be super cute. Yeah, I would, I, I would like to see it. Yeah, I think I'd like to see that Funko Pop too. <laughs> BB-8 with like a tiny Poe and they have like a lemonade stand. And they just like roll around with their lemonade stand. But it's, you know, like a Star Wars lemonade stand. Yeah. Okay, let's let's talk about Dex's Diner, which I think is probably going to be the last thing that we talk about in terms of Star Wars food. And I'm sorry if we didn't mention your favorite. Um, but Dex's Diner, I think, is, again, a magical location in Attack of the Clones. And one of the best lines, perhaps ever, is the droid who works there saying, you want a cup of Jawa juice? you know iconic oddly enough your mom like has a spot on impersonation of that droid yeah because my mom is my mom is from new jersey mm -hmm. and i think that's exactly what that waitress is trying to emulate (laughs) a new jersey diner literally i I remember whenever (laughs) we'd be with your mom and attack of the clones would come up she would always say that you want a cup of java juice (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know until recently that the other waitress there is named hermione yeah. Which 
I just laugh at, (laughs) you know, Harry Potter, Star Wars, the whole thing. It's just, I think it's funny. Totally. I love Dex's Diner. I, like, looking at this, again, it's just like, wow, I'm long overdue for an Attack of the Clones rewatch. Like, Dex himself is just, I mean, his name is Dexter Jetster. I mean, amazing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I always think too about the behind the scenes in Attack of the Clones where the actor is actually there and but he's just like this man in like blue jeans <laughs> and like a and pullover. Like, We're gonna make you look like this. <laughs> <laughs> but he does the scene, but he's not like it's before he's wearing like they're wearing any kind of mocap or anything like that, or like even like a green suit or something. He he's just like, ah, Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Ian McGregor in the whole costume, and obviously the set too. And but then there's just this guy in blue jeans, <laughs> like a pair of Levi's. Totally, I think it's so funny. I love the thing. The weird thing about Dexter Jetster too is that he oddly reminds me of that like cast off Disney movie Treasure Planet. I don't totally. know why, but I think like the the main character, one of the main characters in Treasure Planet, has kind of a similar face to Dexter Jetster, and it always, for some reason, Dexter Jetster always reminded me of that person, <laughs> of that character. Yeah, I, I totally see that. I think that's that early two thousands alien design that yeah. really is very similar, recognizable. Yeah. Yeah, I like this description on Wikipedia. Serving mostly hard workers from the area, the diner offered homestyle cooked meals and freshly brewed, brewed Ardies, aka Jawa juice. Jetster worked at the cook who employed two waitresses, Hermione Bagua and her WA7 waitress droid partner, Flo. I didn't know her name was Flo. Oh, see, I knew her name was Flo. I didn't know Herm- Hermione's name, though. Wow. Other offerings at Dex's Diner include the Shadwa Club Sandwich for 6.7 credits, served on toasted or therm-zapped bread. We love (laughs) therm-zapped. The the Sick Six Layer Cake, which was one of his most popular desserts, served by the Slice at 2.5 credits and the Photon Fizzle at 1.7 credits. Credit chips were accepted at Dex's Diner. What's a credit chip? A credit card. Oh, a credit card. (laughs) <laughs> I was thinking like poker chips and I was like, but credits are kind of like poker chips. So what are we talking about? I guess he's like an insert, like you insert the credit card. It's got a chip reader. Don't slide. Yeah, Don't does. slide. No, no slide. Just insert. Yeah. <laughs> Press enter. <laughs> Press enter. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Texas Diner, I think is, I remember, I just think it's such like a funny, I don't know. I just think it's so random. You know, <laughs> I don't know why. It just like it really stands out in Attack of the Clones. There's just so many interesting things that happen in Attack of the Clones, and Dex's Diner is is one of them. Totally. And I I love the idea that like Yoda can't give Obi Wan the answer he wants, and he's like, ah, I know who will know, Dex. <laughs> it's not really Yoda. It's the Jedi themselves. When he goes to that, he like puts in the chip, and it does all that like. Yeah. Technical stuff with the robots and it can't come up with anything. Yeah, but he's kind of like exhausted his options at the Jedi Temple. Like he's gone totally. he's talked to Joe Costa, he's gone through the archives, he's talked to Yoda, he doesn't know. And Dex is the one that gives him the answer or points yeah. and starts pointing him in a better direction. I also it just really reminds me how much I love the lower levels of Coruscant. Anytime mm-hmm. we see it in the Clone Wars or anything, I love this 
like seedy underbelly in the way that George Lucas has crafted Coruscant as like the upper levels live on the, the top and then the the like the upper class, I mean, live on the upper levels and the the lower class or the working class live on the bottom. And um I like this idea that Obi-Wan, you know, a, a you know, a humble Jedi would you know, hobnob in a diner with an old friend. I think that that really humanized that character. It was a really good choice, actually, in terms of story, you know? Yeah, I agree. It just makes me really excited because we're going to be seeing more of the lower levels of Coruscant very soon with Clone Wars, the new episode coming up on Friday with Ahsoka. Wow. So excited. Depending on how when you're listening to this, it might have already come out, in which case mm-hmm. we probably loved it. <laughs> and I am so excited. We need this. We yeah. need Ahsoka. <laughs> I need Ahsoka so badly. Yeah, they Ashley Eckstein, who voices Ahsoka, she just recently uh, did a live stream of her Ahsoka Golden book. I think it's called I Am a Padawan. And yeah. she did like a little read along on her Instagram a couple days ago. And it was so pure and so good. And I may have cried. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Which is. You know, remember at the top of the show we were talking about like anxiety? <laughs> I think it was like all of that together. And I was like, wow, Ahsoka is coming back. And I'm so excited about this. Uh, anyway, so there's going to be an Ahsoka book, another Ahsoka book that will be coming out. And it's not out yet. I think it comes out in April, I think is what she said. Anyway, that was like a weird deviation. But Ahsoka is coming back on Friday. And depending, again, like Charlotte said, depending on when you listen to this, we probably already loved it and are probably recording talking about how much we loved it yeah it's true all right well i'm kind of hungry now and unfortunately i would really love a ronto wrap but it's same but disney world is closed (laughs) (laughs) oh we're laughing but whoa (laughs) (laughs) yeah so would love a ronto wrap we'll just have to settle for i don't know whatever is in actually in my fridge actually no i have some nutella and strawberries so i'm gonna have some nutella and strawberries that's what i'm gonna have anyway uh i think that's gonna wrap up this episode i hope this was definitely a lot lighter of a topic than our last topic of sacrifice and made you think more about what people are and are not eating in star wars because i think it's it's fun and funny to look at, especially with things like gorgs, which are pet and snack. <laughs> totally. I, I feel like I hope that this was a breather and a change of pace and for about an hour, let you not think. It, it did for me mm-hmm. about everything that yeah. is happening. Yeah. So we do have an ongoing 14-day challenge on our Sky Talkers Twitter, where basically we're doing asking you guys different questions like, what was the first time you saw Star Wars? What describe your favorite Star Wars movie in four emojis? Um, different things like that. So we have it set up for 14 days. It'll end, I don't know what date it will end, but it will end in 14 days. And it's been going on for about a week now. So <laughs> just do the math from there. But you can check that out on uh, our Twitter, which is at SkyTalkersPod. You can also see all of our French press activities on our personal handles. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Crarity. And if you haven't left us a review on iTunes, take a couple extra minutes 
And please do. It makes us really happy and helps other people find the show and talk about Star Wars with us. And if you are interested in checking out our Discord and our Patreon, you can head on over to Patreon and search Sky Talkers and look at our reward tiers there. Absolutely. And I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons, Jason, Joey, Bailey, Sam, Nathan, James, Shelbo, Bridget, Thomas, Mike, Jessica, Jenna, and Spencer. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.